98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Susan Lavender. The headlines. A man has been sentenced to three years and nine months in prison for rioting in Hong Kong in 2019. State leaders tell Hong Kong officials to fix the SAR's housing problems and communicate better with citizens. And the observatory may issue the strong wind signal number three as soon as this afternoon as tropical storm Chempaka eases closer. The a product designer has been sentenced to three years and nine months in jail for rioting in Hong Hom in 2019 when police surrounded hundreds of protesters at the nearby Polytechnic University. Vicky Wong reports. When 31-year-old Lo Shuk Hung was arrested on Wuhu Street, he was found wearing protective gear and carrying 100 cable ties and 26 marbles. He was convicted of rioting and possessing instruments fit for unlawful purposes. Passing the sentence today, District Court Judge Frankie Yu described the riot involving about 100 protesters as threatening, noting that petrol bombs were thrown. But he said since there's no evidence to suggest that the accused played a leading role in the event, the starting point of low sentence would be set at four years. The judge deducted three months after considering the defendant's background. He was also sentenced to three months in prison over the possession of instruments fit for unlawful purposes. Both sentences are to be served concurrently. A member of Beijing's think tank on Hong Kong says state leaders hope the SAR government will have more communication with the public and tackle housing issues as soon as possible. Henry Ho was commenting on a speech by the head of the state council's Hong Kong and Macau Affairs Office, Xia Baolong. Francis Sit has details. Speaking on Friday, Xia Baolong said he hopes housing issues in Hong Kong would see great improvement and the city would bid farewell to cash homes and subdivided flats by 2049. Henry Ho, a council member of the Chinese Association of Hong Kong and Macau Studies, said this shows that Beijing cares a lot about the livelihood matters in the SAR and is quite concerned about housing problems here. Mr Ho added that Mr Xia also reminded the SAR government to communicate more with the people. He noted that local officials haven't made a lot of district visits one year after the enactment of the national security law. Respiratory medicine specialist Leung Chi Chiu says while Hong Kong could reach a 70% vaccination rate by the end of September, that may not be enough to protect the community from COVID outbreaks. He explained that's because virus mutations have made the jabs less effective in reducing transmission. But he urged the elderly who have a lower inoculation rate to get their jabs, saying vaccines can at least offer protection against severe symptoms. Most of the remaining restrictions aimed at preventing the spread of COVID-19 in England have been removed by the government. From now on, mask wearing and social distancing are no longer required and all parts of the economy can reopen. More from the BBC's Fergus Walsh. In previous waves, lockdowns were used to bring down case numbers and so reduce pressure on the NHS. With social distancing controls being removed in England, it's now largely up to vaccines to suppress this wave. So we're heading for a face-off between the highly transmissible Delta variant and a highly immunised population. It's uncertain how public behaviour may change. Ministers are urging caution as the emphasis shifts from regulations to personal responsibility. The International Council of Nurses, which represents more than 130 national nurses associations, says health and care workers are being left behind in COVID vaccination efforts. New figures suggest tens of millions of frontline workers worldwide have yet to be fully vaccinated. Howard Catton is the head of the ICN. 
You've got nurses and healthcare workers going to work, knowing that there are higher risk, knowing that there is a way to protect them, and nurses and health workers in other countries are getting that. People who are less vulnerable in other countries are getting that, but they are being left behind. It feels that despite all of the warm words of support, they in some way are dispensable or disposable. The World Health Organization estimates that there are 200 deaths a day among health workers around the world. Three Chinese nationals and two Mauritanians have been abducted from a construction site in the west of Mali. A Mauritanian news agency reported that the gunmen arrived on motorbikes and fled with the hostages. No group has said it carried out the attack, but correspondents say jihadist militants linked to al-Qaeda or the Islamic State group are suspected. Foreign nationals are often kidnapped for ransom in Mali. Those kidnapped are employees of Chinese construction firm Kovec and a Mauritanian road building company who had been under the protection of a private security company, the Malian army said. A joint investigation by 16 media organisations has provided detailed evidence that human rights activists journalists and lawyers around the world are being targeted by authoritarian governments using hacking software sold by an Israeli surveillance company, NSO. Here's the BBC's Joe Tidy. The Israeli company says it helps security services catch terrorists and criminals with its Pegasus software. But in recent years, they've been accused of selling to repressive governments hoping to spy on critics or opponents. Now Forbidden Stories, a Paris-based media organisation, says it's leaked evidence showing large numbers of innocent people are being targeted. It alleges that 50,000 phone numbers were identified as people of interest by clients of NSO. Investigators say they found evidence that some journalists had successfully been hacked. NSO denies allegations of misuse. Chancellor Merkel has spoken of surreal devastation as she toured one of the villages wrecked by Germany's worst floods for decades. Ms Merkel said Germany must fast improve its efforts to tackle climate change. We have to hurry. We have to get faster in our fight against climate change. And I believe that the European Union is working on just that. The fact that we will be the first continent to be carbon neutral by the middle of the century is something that matters. The number of people confirmed dead from the floods across northwest north Europe has now risen to 190. Heavy rainfall in Austria has caused the river Kothbach to burst its banks, flooding parts of the town centre of Halline, 14 kilometres south of Salzburg, near the border with Germany. Video footage shows a torrent of water washing through the town at high speed. No one has been hurt, but the local authorities have advised people not to leave their homes. Danish cartoonist Kurt Vestergaard, best known for his controversial caricature of the Prophet Mohammed, has died. He was 84. The BBC's David Bamford reports. When Kurt Vestergaard published his satirical drawing of the Prophet Mohammed in 2006, it went largely unnoticed at first. But a campaign by Islamist activists led to protests and later violence in many Muslim countries. Vestergaard was the target of an assassination attempt and had to spend the rest of his life under police protection at a secret address. The republication of the cartoon in 2012 in the French satirical magazine Charlie Hebdo led to an attack on its premises during which Islamist militants murdered 12 people. 
Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro has been discharged from hospital four days after being admitted with serious intestine problems. Mr Bolsonaro, who's 66, has been treated several times since being stabbed by a mentally unstable man during the presidential election three years ago. As he left hospital in Sao Paulo, Mr Bolsonaro rejected recent corruption accusations against his former health minister about negotiations to purchase overpriced coronavirus vaccines. The Afghan government and Taliban militants say they'll speed up their peace talks and are committed to continuing high-level negotiations until a settlement is found. They said they'd work to provide humanitarian assistance throughout Afghanistan, but the announcement, which came after the latest round of meetings in Qatar, contained few details or signs of any possible breakthroughs. The BBC's Lise Doucette is in Doha. These two days of high-level talks were meant to jumpstart a long-stalled political process. A joint statement affirms the commitment of both sides to keep talking. But neither side got what they were hoping for. The political leaders who came from Kabul had wanted to begin discussions on a roadmap for Afghanistan's political future. But the Taliban did not want to be drawn into a detailed process or even a date for a next round of talks. Financial news, the world's oil producers have agreed to increase their output, aiming to rein in prices and ease pressure on the struggling global economy. Plans by the OPEC cartel and its partners to boost supplies were threatened earlier this month by a damaging row between Saudi Arabia and the United Arab Emirates. The BBC's Samir Hashmi reports from the talks in Dubai. Under the new deal, OPEC Plus will boost oil supply from August to cool prices, which have climbed to two-and-a-half-year highs as the global economy recovers from the coronavirus pandemic. The cartel will phase out oil production cuts that were made last year by September 2022. OPEC Plus has also crucially agreed to new production allocations from mid of next year that would allow countries including the UAE, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia and Russia to pump out more oil. Stocks now, and a short time ago, the Hansing Index was at 27,559, 451 points down on the previous close. Turnover stands at $83 billion. Currencies, the US dollar is trading at 109.92 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 18 cents. The pound is worth $10.68. Sports now, and we start with the Tokyo Olympics. Teenage American tennis star Coco Goff says she's pulling out after contracting coronavirus. South Africa's rugby sevens coach Neil Powell will also miss the competition after testing positive for COVID-19. He'll stay in isolation for 14 days. It follows the discovery of COVID in two South African footballers who were at the first who were the first competitors to test positive for coronavirus at the Athletes Village in Tokyo. David Notwane is coach for South Africa's men's football team. We thought uh, we are over the COVID challenges and uh, in the village we should be more secure. But as it turns out now, you know, the two guys, members of our uh, squad, that have uh, 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 now tested positive. You can't even imagine where they get it from. And you start to, to, to look back and trace back. We've been in a bubble. Even coming into the airport here, everyone was negative and cleared to enter Tokyo and the village. So, you know, that's COVID for you. Next to golf's Open Championship, which produced a new winner. 
He will tap it in, and there it is, the clenched fist for Colin Morikawa, golf's newest superstar, now a two-times major champion, winning the Open on debut. How about that? Colin Morikawa has won the Open after holding off Jordan Spieth by two shots on the final day at Royal St. George's. Morikawa is the first man to win two majors on his tournament debut, having also won last year's PGA Championship on his first try. So what does the Open Championship title mean to him? Oh, my God. Uh, I'm speechless. There's so many words to it. Um, but to be a part of the history, you know, to have this oldest trophy right here the claret jug in my hand uh is uh very special to my heart and um i love the open now formula one racing driver max max verstappen has been discharged from hospital after 290 kilometers around uh, after a 290 kilometers per hour crash with lewis hamilton at the start of sunday's british grand prix more from the bbc's jack nichols Although Hamilton cut Verstappen's advantage at the top of the championship down to just eight points going into the next race in Budapest, all the focus will be on the collision between the two drivers. The rivalry has been brewing ever since the start of the season, and the two have gone wheel to wheel on many occasions, but this was the first time that contact was made and Verstappen was fired off into the barriers. Hamilton received a penalty, Verstappen had to go to hospital for precautionary checks, but it's certainly going to be a rivalry that has gone up a notch heading into the remainder of the season. The Slovenian cyclist Tadej Pogacar has won the Tour de France coming down the Champs-Élysées in Paris unchallenged by his rivals. Yeah, finally 21st uh, stage of Tour de France. Finally we, we are at the Paris, so it's time for a party. Pogacar is the youngest rider to win the Tour de France two years in a row. At 22, he's still a year younger than the great Belgian cyclist Eddie Merckx when he won the first of his five titles in 1969. Merckx's record of 34 stage victories remains unsurpassed after Britain's Mark Cavendish missed out on winning the final stage. Weather now and the observatory says it will consider issuing the strong wind signal number three in the late afternoon or tomorrow morning as tropical storm Chempaka edges closer to the west of the, the Pearl River estuary. The standby signal number one is currently in force. Senior scientific officer Tong Yufai says the storm's trajectory is uncertain. As there are discrepancies on the forecast of Chempaka among different computer models, if future movement and intensity remain uncertain, you are advised to pay attention to the latest information on the tropical storm from the observatory. As to the weather, the rain band associated with Sempaka will continue to affect Hong Kong and bring occasional heavy showers and squalls to the territory today. And that's the news from RTHK.
What a fabulous way to start my afternoon. Hopefully yours too. R.E.M. Imitation of Life. Welcome to the 123 Show. My name's Todd Harding, sitting in for Noreen Mir. <laughs> 